And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Want an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news and trends in the NBA? Listen to the NBA Daily Ding podcast Monday through Friday. Wake up and turn up the NBA Daily Ding to stay informed on all things NBA here at The Athletic and wherever you get your podcasts. With the playoffs in full swing, you don't want to miss a single episode of the Basket Buds edition of the Athletic NBA Show podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network every single Monday with myself, Zach Harper, and our cast of characters, Trevon Edwards, Jay King, Dave DeFord, James Edward III, Law Murray. We're breaking down every single big playoff story, and we're doing it with a lot of fun and a lot of trash talk. Make sure you're checking it out. The Basket Buds edition of the Athletic NBA show every single Monday morning right in your podcast face. I just got something on my phone. Oh, it's a fraud alert. Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers. (laughs) Fraud alert. My bank is contacting me saying don't invest in these bums ever again. Hey everyone, this is Andrew Schlecht. And I am Alex Spears. And you can join us every Saturday on the Athletic NBA show for the Saturday Slam and Jam. We will bring you the most interesting plots and storylines from the playoffs, fun guests, and a weekly trivia show where I attempt to completely embarrass my co-host, Andrew. So grab your coffee, do your chores, and turn up the Saturday Slam and Jam right here on the Athletic NBA show. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show, Monday through Friday, on the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerder She Wrote, with your host, Dave Dufour, with Mo DeKeel, Are you ready to be entertained? and Seth Partnow. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Friday. We're a little bit late, but it's still Nerder She Wrote. I'm Dave, Seth and Mo are here. We're going to jump right in, because again... Getting a little bit of a late start, but we wanted to see Bucks Hawks last night before we recorded, and uh, the Bucks are now up three two as we recorded this Friday morning. Uh, Giannis missed Game Five. We, you know, we all saw the hyperextension of the knee. Uh, Trey Young out again in Game Five, and uh, guys, the Bucks looked really, really good. And in particular, I thought that aggressive switching defensive scheme was a, a bit of a, a revelation because we just haven't seen it from the Bucks. Like, we've all thought that they could do it, and now we know that they can. Weird. I think it wasn't just the switching scheme. I think it was, well, that was something. It was just the, the level of aggression that they had defensively, where especially in the first quarter, uh, I, uh, I, I was at this game last night, and, and Atlanta was, I don't want to say shook, but they were shook. Um, they were the Bucks were picking them up at half court. They were bumping them off their cuts. Atlanta was starting every possession in the first quarter. It seemed like with eleven seconds on the shot clock, thirty five feet from the basket, and you're just not going to run good offense if that's kind of the situation you find yourself in. I mean, this was this was the aggression the the, the Bucks needed in Game Four. 
Like this was uh, exactly how they needed to come out with game four with the opportunity going, hey, we can really take a hold of this series. And, and, and they came out kind of flat and the Hawks came out ready to fight. In this one, it was the other way around. And I think part of it was, you know, as Seth said, you know, the Hawks were like, oh, they're going to play tonight. Um, and it was a couple of things to it, too. Like, I think the idea, it, it's something with star players. I don't think people understand when a guy gets injured, you know, and, and it has to miss the rest of the game. The teams, it's tough to adjust in that whole instance. Going into the next game, knowing that that guy is not going to be there, whole different game plan, you know, for how they're going to attack and things like that. So I think that played a role in that as well. I think they were just more fired up and, and, and ready to go. I hate to say that the analysis to me was just, hey, the Bucks played harder. But to me, it was really just like, yo, the Bucks showed up and played harder than they did in game four. Well, Mo, we did the ding after game four, and that was our initial reaction before we even got to Giannis getting hurt and, and being out was it just felt like the Bucs didn't even show up to play until after Giannis got hurt. And, and even then they were kind of, they, they looked a little scared, like, like we talked about. And so it was nice to see them just come out and be aggressive and be dominant. But the bigger thing was game five was a reminder of how freaking big the Bucs are, but also how versatile. It, look, Brooke Lopez had a 2021 Shaquille O'Neal game in this game. I mean, he took two threes. I mean, when was the last time that Brooke only attempted two threes in a game? It's probably been a while. And he had a 30-point game just by playing big. And it makes you think, why don't the Bucs do this more often when they have this, this sort of size advantage? You know, the Hawks just are too small for the Bucs if they play large like that. And I know that that seems like like – Sounds simple to do and it's probably harder in practice, but I mean, we just saw it. It worked I mean, pretty what, well. What really happened was just in terms of who's using what space on the floor, Brooks sort of moved into the Giannis space and Bobby Portis <laughs> filled in behind him. And, and you know, Brooke obviously got to spots on the floor in a different way than Giannis does. Uh, it was much more. It's really almost much more the way we would like to see the Bucks play because uh, uh, they the Bucks wore Atlanta out with uh, the Middleton Lopez pick and roll, just wo- like completely wore them out. Whether it was you know hitting Lopez on the roll, whether uh, you know Middleton because he's such a patient player, you know had kind of delay dribble, kind of slow mo layup to the basket, or he was you know slinging passes to the opposite side of the floor and. For a lot of the game, it felt like the Bucks should be up more because, as has been a theme frequently throughout this playoffs, the Bucks couldn't shoot from three, despite getting pretty good looks off of off of that and other actions. Yeah, but it's all. <clears throat> yeah, but it's also harder with the when Giannis is on the court. You know, like that whole thing. Like everybody was talking about it. Like, oh my God, look at all this space. Like, like yeah, but also, you know, if you have Giannis you're going to play Giannis and you can't play him and have him space, you know, and, and, and things like that. It's kind of similar, not the same, but similar to, to the problem the Sixers have in terms of spacing from time to time. You know, it's, it's, I think ideally you'd want to be able to run that Lopez Middleton pick roll. Now, maybe this is more of a case of like, Hey, this is probably a lineup we should go to when we have Giannis and give Giannis rest. And then we can go and, and, and start to play this way a little bit more. I think it's it's along those lines and, and things like that. But Lopez was great. I thought Drew Holiday was great. Finished with, what, eight assists? Was diming guys up. Uh, you know, it, it was funny. Looking at this game, it was a Brooke Lopez game. 
It was a Chris Middleton game. It was a Drew Holiday game. And it was a Bobby Portis game, all wrapped in one. And I think that was uh, uh, probably a bit surprising. Uh, you know, I Drew Drew Holiday, Sorry. I think, had 12 or 13 assists and Middleton had eight assists. But I think that that it's a good point to make, though, the number of assists those guys in particular had, but also the way that the offense just looked better running through those guys instead of Giannis. And I, I wonder if going forward, they don't just take a look at that and say, hey, you know, maybe Giannis is like the role man, the vertical spacer, hanging out in the dunker spot is a better place for him and he can be ultra elite at that stuff and we've got these guys that are a little bit better at playmaking off the dribble than him and maybe we could have a better easier offense i, I don't i don't um, know seth maybe i'm just short crazy. version of why they don't do that is Giannis doesn't want to play that way like you know sure a star has the ball in his hands at the top of the floor ergo which is you know yeah it's it's not the first case where someone has you know, gotten the idea of how they should play kind of exogenously rather than, no, this would just be really awesome and we would crush everyone with this, this, this one neat trick. But that's, I mean, that's, that, that's, you know, that's what it is. Um, I want to get back to Holiday. It, he had a really interesting game, I thought. Uh, midway through, like end of the third quarter, I think I tweeted out, he's got 20 and 10 in it and he's kind of just played okay. Um, first quarter, he was like anyone up to and possibly including John Collins, too small. And just like bowled his way to the basket, and he was getting layups. Uh, he hit uh, Lopez for I think about three dunks on Wade cuts, um, and then he just kind of stopped doing that for much of the rest of the game. And this is that's sort of been a frustrating thing about the Bucks all this postseason is they find a thing that works, and it's like okay, that we're good. We'll well we we know we can do that. Let's explore something else. Whereas. The playoffs are, are, oh, that worked? Well, here, again. Run it again. Run it again. Yeah. Yeah, every yeah. problem is a nail, right? Like, until until yeah. it's not, and then you adjust. And I actually felt the same way. So I didn't get it because they got everything they wanted inside. Like, what causes teams to go away from what's working? I, I, mean, I just oh, – I mean, multiple things. I think some of the stuff that tends to happen is, you know, they sub him out. He comes back in. You know, different different group of guys on the court, different sort of thing. A little bit tired. I, I think that's a big <laughs> you know one. a little. I, 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 you know, he p- plays forty two minutes. I, I mean, he expended a lot of that in the first quarter, a lot of that energy and that explosion. I think some of that plays a role into this. And then other guys were going. You know, and 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 it wasn't again I, all those four guys. You know, it was all attacking in a little bit different ways, you know, besides the few dunks that Lopez got off of uh, Holiday's drives. You know, a lot of that stuff was out of the pick and roll with Middleton. You know, it was playing. They, they had different ways they could they went to. And I think that kind of attributes that a little bit in this game, because I'm with you guys. And I think this has been a theme, not just of the Bucks, but really the whole playoffs. You know, when we looked at it, a lot of teams have stopped being who they were for a lot of times and 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 we're always looking at it going like no what, like no what are you doing this isn't this isn't run you. your stuff i mean yeah even, yeah exactly just run your stuff and even to the hawks you know this is i thought their offense to start the game even though the defense was in them i also felt like they went matchup hunting way too many times to start the game and and, and we're trying to get uh a, a attack lopez and he was solid defensively on the guards in this game but I felt like, you know what, you can get to that anytime. Run some offense. 
you know, especially, you know, run some, try to run some actions and then get to that. It was just literally like, okay, let's match up hunt and go. And I felt like that took those guys out of the, their system. As much as we like Kevin Herter, and I think we all like Kevin Herter, yeah. um, I I don't think an offense saying, oh, Kevin Herter, get to your bag and shoot step back jumpers over a seven footer. I don't think that's a recipe for, like, if your offense ends up there mm-hmm. after exploring other things, that's fine. If your offense starts there, it's good yeah. luck. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that was, I mean, you're and, right. and that was what, you know, okay. The, the, the bucks came out switching one through five and you could see it on the first play of the game. Like Lopez switches out on Herder, and it's just like, Ooh, my turn. And we've seen, you know, we've seen this so much this postseason where teams run, you know, run their first action, get a switch. It's a mismatch. And they break off everything they want to do and you go at that mismatch. And what ends up happening is all of the off-ball players just watch, just stand. Like, you know, Clint Capella, he got he did some stuff on the offensive boards, but he was not really a factor. He got three yeah. shots. He got three shots. Non-factor. Yeah, he was not a like, non-factor. You know, John Collins was basically all of his offense was, you know, he, he had to eat what he killed tonight. Um, and, and, yeah. It, and that's just not who the Hawks yeah. are. And I get it. They don't have Trey Young and things like that. But that's also wasn't who they were in game four. You know, it was the, the ball was moving. It was flying around and things like that. Like that was more the surprising thing for me when I was watching the Hawks just going like, damn, you guys just really kind of, you know, were willing to sort of just punt this one away. I know it was an uphill battle, I think, for them to try to win this. But offensively, they didn't give themselves any chances. And also there was, I think it was maybe four minutes left in the first quarter when they got their first defensive rebound that probably <laughs> that probably didn't help um but yeah is that a good no, thing or a bad, a bad zero zero percent <laughs> yeah, it's not great rebounding percentage is suboptimal yeah you uh you guys give the hawks any shot i mean look they they, they won game four without trey and, and really won it wired wire pretty much um and they're not I don't know. Bogdanovich being healthy is good. We, I think we all feel like Trey is probably going to try to play in game six. You know, I, I saw some of the film from him warming up ahead of game five and it looked like, you know, he's still uncomfortable, especially shooting that floater going off one foot. Um, I don't know how effective he's going to be, but you know, if he's 90%, 85%, which, you know, uh, impossible for us to know, you think the, the Hawks can take Look, this to seven? Only if Trey's 87.47%. Yeah, that's the <laughs> kind of accuracy we expect on this show. But, you know, I just wa- I wonder if he can't if he can't comfortably get to his spots, you know, is he going to be able to bother the Bucks defense when they're when they're locked in like they were in game five? Well, will they be locked in like that again? Number one. But if they are. Can can Trey be effective if he's not 100? Well, the other question, I, I the other question know. is, and this is a, this is sort of a little bit of a question we had in Game Three. I thought and it was a hard one, but you know when he he rolls the ankle in the third quarter, comes back in the fourth quarter, and is just clearly not right. And I, I mean, it's obviously a very difficult decision for a coach to make. But as you know, he comes back in and he just he, they were almost unlucky that he made one of his first shots when he came back in because then it's like, well, we can roll with him. Whereas if he misses his first two shots badly, maybe McMillan's like, yeah, he's actually hurting us out there. And and just wondering if if McMillan will feel the uh, 
ability or or have the the wherewithal to kind of like this isn't working for us. Let's go like we'll, we'll do better a different way. Get healthy for Game Seven, Trey. I yeah, I think it's a bit. The big thing is the differences in that is. You know, he comes back in with what, like four minutes left or something like that. Well, he came back. He like came back gonna, with like eight minutes left. Yeah. Eight minutes left. Yeah. Sorry, eight minutes left, and 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 things like that. I actually defensively, he was struggling to move, and I actually thought he did all right offensively. They just missed shots. He was creating opportunities. He had a big drive to the hoop and found Bogdanovich for a wide open three. Like he was creating opportunities for others, but. When you're going to have the full game, like it'll be on McMillan to, to look at it in the first quarter and have to make the quick decision there. But it's hard because it goes back to when you do that, I'd almost rather if you if that's a possibility, I almost rather you not play him at all and just let your guys go. Because then mm-hmm. if you do that, there's a drop off with everybody in the uh, um, on the bench. Everybody just kind of like, damn. And then at home, you're going to feel the air go out with the, the crowd a little bit as well. Like either just rock with your guys and, 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 and go with what you got and hope you can force a game seven and Trey can go then. Or if you're going to, if you're going to put him in, you have to be willing to be like, we, we might have to ride with this. It's not a comfortable decision. I'm glad I get to just say that on a podcast and not have to make it myself on the bench. <laughs> um, but I think that's the, right. the scenario that something they got to really think about. And I don't think most teams do. Uh, especially because the you know look the Hawks need to think about the long term future of Trey Young and this team in particular. I think they're going to be better next year. I don't think they're likely to to win the title this year. Although who the hell knows at this point? You know that could they catch the Suns? No, just no right? assumptions, Dave. We t- could they catch we t- the Bucks? We in talked two about more games? it on the thing. Exactly. No more assumptions being made about no about more assumptions. Playoffs. Everything can happen. An yeah. alien could land Every on the Every single court. time we think we have it figured out. The Monstars might and show so, up. That's just know. be ready. <laughs> yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. All right. Well, uh, guys, uh, let's move on to the Phoenix Suns. I I, I think that um, to call this a surprise would be a little bit of an understatement. Like, we thought that they would be good. I don't think any of us thought that they'd make the finals. And um, they have certainly had a fortuitous Stop it. run. <laughs> I, look, no, everyone so does every I, single time, so, but I want to ask you guys, okay. hold on. Let me ask the question. Are they only here because they got lucky? No. So first there of all, go. like it, it's the, 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 I'll say this one last thing about the luck narrative and then we'll move on. The luck thing is we're having a little bit of fun with endpoints because the, the, it's so based on just based on who the team is like, 
I don't think I don't think the luck narrative is coming up because Jamal Murray was hurt. I think it's coming up because LeBron was hobbled and AD got hurt. It's like, well, okay, they were lucky this happened. They're playing LeBron and AD in the first round, having finished with the second best record in the NBA. So where does the luck start and stop there? You know, they so you know they ended up the the Lakers team that ended up playing against them was about a seventh seed team. They were the two seed. They earned that, and it and it you know we took we took some detours to get there. But anyway, um, the other thing is, you look at their play over the season. They were other than Brooklyn. Brooklyn is the only team that had a better record against kind of top ten ish teams in the NBA than than Phoenix. So they beat the best teams all year. They swept Milwaukee this year. Like they, you know, I I don't I I, I that, that one's just you know in in mind because both of those games were close and one of them ended with a. A controversial, controversial no, a controversial call. but <laughs> obvious foul that we all praise the next right. day on on this very yeah. show. Um, so no, they've been right there all year, and our skepticism about them had very little to do with their kind of objective quality as a team, and everything to do with their inexperience. Like that was that was the like mm-hmm. yeah, they're really good, but and now they're they're basically the least experienced playoff team to reach the finals since the first Warriors title. And you so be, yes, that's that's I'm, unexpected, but that was the main reason to be skeptical of them rather than anything of, about their team as a whole. I'm just going to push back on the the a little bit of what you said, Seth, but I agree with most of it. The 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 luck narrative is a thing we can apply every yes. year. That's the point. That's the thing. Like, that's what people don't understand when they're like, I can't believe this guy didn't win a championship. It's because it's freaking hard. You have to be a little bit lucky. You know, there's a luck element to all of this. Yes. You know, every team they faced in in, in each conference did not have a uh, uh, did not have their their uh, healthy top tier guy. You know, there's there's no arguing that, right? Like it's it's a different series for the Lakers if they're fully healthy. I think it's a different season for the Lakers if they were healthy all year. These guys missed 30 games. Like I don't think really that's a seven seed in general. Right. The 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 Jamal Murray thing. Listen, he got hurt. We all thought before he did he, they had a chance at the finals. Kawhi goes out. It's a it's a whole different thing. It's but that's not the Suns' fault. Like, in fact, if the Suns lost to any of these teams, we would be eviscerating that. We would be, I can't believe you lost to the, how could you lose to the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard? I don't care that Reggie Jackson had this series of his life. We would be killing them. And you can't have it both ways in that. You can't say it's luck and then also be on the same side of you would have been killing them if they if they lost. Luck plays a role in every championship. It, it, it hurts some teams and it kills some teams. I've been on some of those that had bad luck. It's just the way this thing goes. It's not um, – Remind me. Were, you know, it's never clean. Were you around for for not making the conference finals because Josh Smith and Corey Brewer turned into the – No, okay. that was the year okay. I was out. That was the – that was I yeah. actually think a little bit of the curse of Mo. Yeah. Um, but when, the, when Corey uh, Brewer uh, became <laughs> Kyle Korver for, for a half. Yeah, no, uh, the uh, – um, but I was with the Spurs the last game of the season when Manu gets hurt. 
and then we lose to Memphis in in, mm. in game seven and Manu had to sit Manu sat game one or excuse me we lost to Memphis in game six um but like there's there's just a bunch of that stuff so like the the luck narrative's silly I I, I do and this will probably annoy Seth a little bit I still believe the Lakers would have won that series if AD didn't uh hurt his groin that's just my 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 opinion I think that series was going to be the Lakers but overall you can't fault them. They did their job. They did exactly what they're supposed to do, and everybody's got to back off. Also, like it's not like the Suns have been like have lived a charmed life themselves. Like Chris Paul right. could not shoot. Like not he was missing shots. He could not physically shoot for a round and a half. And also caught COVID during the playoffs. Literally, Devin Booker has broken his face twice in 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 this in this postseason. So like you know. <laughs> It has not all been sunshine and roses. It, it has not been the yellow brick road laid out in front of them to, to reach the finals. It, is the is the Suns' path to the finals, is this repeatable, do you think? Like when you look at how they built the team, because, you know, we talked about we, – we talked a lot this year about Dallas and Atlanta in particular because, you know, two different paths to building a team. I mean, Atlanta – it's paid off, I think, with this conference finals run. Uh, it paid off in one year, which is nuts. But um, the way that Phoenix drafted, you know, they they get Devin Booker and and he's at the end of the lottery. They get a number one pick and they draft a big that has just been fantastic in this playoffs. And then Mikel Bridges, which was a genius draft day trade. I mean, just what a great pickup in, in a in a wing dominated league to get that guy. Um, this has been good drafting, great free agency. I mean, the Chris Paul trade has just been perfect for them. Um, can can is this repeatable or is this a bunch you left of luck? Out the Crowder, the Crowder move was a big one for them. Oh, Crowder was, signing was, was a yeah, big one huge. for them. I don't know. No, this is you know this is a pro- product of them doing the job they're supposed to do and put the team together. And some mm-hmm. of that credit's got to go to Ryan McDonough as well, right? Like the 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 whole thing in, in the early parts. A lot of credit goes to James Jones for really putting it together at the end. And Monty Williams building that culture even before Chris Paul got there. You could see the culture change a little bit with the team and things like that. It's 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 a team that this is going to be there for a little bit. I think it's they they caught a little bit of lightning in the bottle, which is perfectly fine. But I also think they're going to be a team that's going to be around in the West for a little bit, you know, depending on how CP plays and 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 health wise stays with 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 everything. And assuming he doesn't leave when he opts out this so year, this is this is a tough one in terms of it's repeatable because really the 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 key here, I think, that the thing that pushes them from hey they're pretty good last year and they're a a frisky six seed this year is the Chris Paul trade. And I think – I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying that was a high-risk, high-reward type of move. Um, you know, he he had had – you know, he – last year in OKC was a huge bounce-back year for him. He's, he's 36 this year. He's been injury-prone, uh, especially in the postseason, and he's gotten hurt again this postseason. Um, but – that has come out, you know, that is that has has worked out perfectly. Now, so on one hand, credit to James Jones for for making that bet. On the other, on the other side, like just because it worked this time 
what does it look like next time? I think we've seen, we've tended to see the one trade away for a star move backfire more often than it works. So is it repeatable? I don't know. Uh, is this gonna? Is this going to mean that kind of, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a Kyle Lowry or someone like that who's kind of later in their career, if that if that lets them have kind of more trade value for the team that thinks we're right there, just get that one guy, um, get a couple first round picks for you know a guy in his mid thirties, which you know three years ago would have been crazy. Um, so I is it teams are gonna try it. Uh, I th- and because most things don't work out, it's going to fail more often than it succeeds. But I don't know. I don't know if that. I don't, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Well, who's the next team to try it, though? Like, I mean, is it Memphis? I mean, I, I, New York, probably. You know, is it? I mean, New Orleans uh, I mean, isn't there I yet, think I don't think. But I, it's got to be maybe no, Dallas. I actually think New Orleans is it. I, I, think, I think you're right that New Orleans isn't there yet. But I also think that they're they're somewhat likely to be the next team to try because it's, you know, they're there there's sort of some some pressures there shall we say well but but also there's some some high end young talent there as well right which is the, the the key to this whole suns thing is not i mean chris paul was sort of that's the finishing touch the key is that their core is so young and so good and i mean we saw it in the bubble we saw this in the bubble that that team was playing really really good connected basketball and everyone just wanted to discount it. But the truth is, man, like that team was good last year when it was healthy. Yeah, no, that was um, – the, 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 the funny – and I think we may have even said this last year. Like their season could not have ended any better last year. Like they were – I think they were better off for having not made the playoffs last year because they have this run in the bubble. They end on – they end – they simultaneously end on a high – but also we need to get better. Like it's possible to have that feeling when you, when you lose as a, as kind of a young team, like Memphis is probably going to come out of the playoffs this year, feeling, you know, pretty decent. But if they had made the eight seed last year and gotten, you know, Molly by the Lakers, like. Uh, I, they were uh, Rocky. They were Rocky at the end of Rocky one, right? They lost. But the moral victory was huge, and and now we're seeing Rocky I too. Push, I, I want to push title. back on that though. Like if 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 Memphis doesn't make the playoffs, maybe they don't have the 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 push this year or anything like that. Like it's it's or and and even Phoenix. No, it's I got a taste of it. I want more. It's it's and we see that happen with a lot of those young teams. So I don't think that's you know them not making. I mean, I get the idea of where we're saying the front office felt like, hey, we needed to make another push. I think they would have made those same moves if they did get to the first round and got crushed by the Lakers. Like I think they would have. I think we got. I think we got a chance to see that out of Memphis too. By the way, missing the playoffs last year, I think that that is part. Like you know, they beat the Warriors in a in a win or go home. And that's huge for them. And I, th- I wonder if missing the playoffs last year might have no, but I think, played a part but my, in, but in that's, them being able that's to overcome not my that. Point. My point is, had they made the playoffs, they still would have had that hunger and that push because they got the taste of it, right? Like, listen, right. I worked in the league for the first couple of years with the terrible Clipper team. We never tasted the playoffs. I got a taste of the playoffs my first year of San Antonio. I'm like, oh, this is what it's like. 
and I'm just a stupid video guy. Like I can only imagine on the players end. I know Seth's nodding his head at stupid more than video guy. Um, but the, the I can only imagine for the players in that sense of saying like, yes, I've gotten the the, the feel of it. It's a drug. You know, it's a feeling like once you make the playoffs and experience that run. And and even even though we had a bad crowd at Staples Center when we made the playoffs, it was still rocking for us. And it was like, this is cool. So I think, you know, I, I push back on this notion that like, you know, that they really benefited by not making the playoffs. I don't agree with that. It worked out. But I don't agree with that because I think the Suns are still making the same moves, getting Chris Paul and getting Crowder, you know, if they get crushed by the Lakers in in, a, in, in the first round last year. And same for Memphis is still going to be fighting hard. Uh, so th- I do think, though, the bubble was great marketing. And maybe if you don't have that run, Chris Paul doesn't want to be traded there and Jay Crowder doesn't want to sign there. So I, I think that that, you know, you're right, Mo. That if they had made the playoffs, maybe they still have as but good of an advertisement. It, 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 why wouldn't you? But, but if you're saying that not by just well, barely but, missing the playoffs, that it was great marketing, like it's 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 it wouldn't be the same if they if they uh, make you're, it you're though. Well, if they yeah. make it and they get run and they just get completely run out of the that's, you, that's, no, yeah. Mo, you're you're losing you're, four you, games. You are in in you're right, but you're I think right. The, you you know the way that we do these narrative things. Like Paul George, Paul George got killed yeah. for his game six. When the only reason there was a game six is he went crazy in game five. So if he goes a little less crazy in game five, yeah. reputationally is he better? Like does that is that better for him? Because because we're collectively stupid about these things. Yes, it might have been, but even though he. We only yeah. we only focus on the no, last I, impression. I, I, I understand that, but I'm talking about the team itself. Yeah. I don't care about the media narrative. I don't care about us on podcast and all of that stuff. That for those teams, it, it's a different level. Like it's a, it, it's it's not like even if they get run. I know Chris. Chris is looking at that, going like, I can fix that. I can be part of that and, and, and I can make it so that we, that, that they go much further next year, you know, and, and, and all of that. So I don't, I don't like this whole, I think that's all bullshit. If you want the honest truth, guys, tell us how you really feel. No, here, so here's a, here, I think, I mean, I think I'm making a slightly different point than you think I'm making. Um, And this is something that, that ties maybe the Hawks and the Suns together is there's there's a little bit, and maybe more so with the Hawks than the Suns, there's a little bit of don't know any better. Like you kind of this is your first taste of it. It's like, ah, I I'm I'm here. I'm by and and there hasn't been, you know, again, that, that first playoff experience, you get you get your ass kicked, and man, we got a long way to go. And it's like, no, we're right there. I I have no reason to believe we're not right there because it hasn't been demonstrated to me. And so I think that that's a that's possibly a different men- mentality. Do you think there's anything to that, or I'm just like completely nuts? Because I do th- like there is sort of that 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 irrational confidence that comes from just complete lack of knowledge. And again, I might be talking more about the Hawks and Trey specifically than I am about the Suns. But I think you know the Suns they showed up at the playoffs. Devin Booker's like what 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 this is nothing. This is just I'm here. Yeah, let me but, drop forty something on you in game one. Yeah, no, I I, I think it, it works more for the Hawks than it does the Suns, in my opinion. In in just a sense of like 
the Hawks literally are how many of those guys are on rookie deals still and figuring that just figuring the league out, let alone making the playoffs and making this conference finals run. You know, it, uh, Booker's been around, you know, in, in that sense. And like, I don't know if about you guys, but I had no doubt at any point when I was saying that I'm, I'm, I'm worried about the Suns team, you know, the, the inexperience or whatever, I had no doubt Booker was going to ball. Like I, I believed in him being the balling guy. The guy I didn't expect was DeAndre Ayton. Now, now he might be one of those guys that doesn't. It might be one of those guys that falls into what you're talking about. But I think in the team perspective, the Hawks do. I don't feel that way about the Suns. Just you know, in 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 that sense of just at least there was a little bit more there with those guys. And and I think even Dario Saric, who doesn't play a big role, but not just having been in the playoffs with with. Philly, but also his experience over in Europe and things like that. Like, I think all of that kind of plays that role in that level of sort of, I don't want to say toughness, but maybe just kind of experience to degree, I think helps. And, and so for me, I just, I, I buy it for the, for the Hawks because this kind of came out of nowhere. But like, even when you look at the Hawks and, and, and talking about that marketing idea, they were still able to get a whole bunch of free agents and didn't even qualify to get to the bubble. Uh, that's that's a fair point. Um, Today's episode is brought to you by Giorgio Armani Aqua Di Gio Parfume, a long-lasting and deeply intense men's fragrance that captures the powerful sensations of nature. The woody aquatic scent features notes of bergamot, clary sage, and patchouli, which create an intensity that is vibrant and aromic. Discover more at GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City, with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Well, I guess, I mean, you just mentioned toughness, so... It's a natural segue to talk about the Clippers, which I know is like if I three months ago had said, man, mental toughness, the L.A. Clippers, Mo would have been jumping down my throat. But I, I don't know how we can um, watch the run they just had and not think that that team was a lot tougher internally than any of us expected this season. It, it, this is not last year's Clippers, Mo, not by any no, stretch not at all. Um, to do what they did. Just. I mean, with, without their best player and then losing the guy who, you know, Zubac really was keeping him in it in that series. And, and then they lost him and, and still were able to hang around the way they did, man. I, the Clippers were pretty tough. And, and I think that if they had been healthy, this is a completely different series. And we're probably talking about, you know, Kawhi winning another title at this point. What do you guys think about the Clippers? No, I, I, <clears throat> I gave I've kind of just decided this team was tough after they won game five in Utah. I didn't even care if they won the series like, you know, the the news of Kawhi being hurt and everything that kind of hit them. 
it was all of a sudden, and you got to go to Utah and, and win game five. Like right after that, you know, they, they win that game and it's like, okay, this team's a lot tougher than we've given them credit for. And I, you know, you can see them kind of shed that. And then, I mean, the amazing game six in that series, they could have gotten swept in this freaking series. And I still would have just been like, no, this was a great Clipper season and how it ended. You know, it maybe didn't end quite the way we would have liked it to, but they got to the conference finals. When they look back, they're going to be able, we did this without our best player and, and all that. And a lot of guys clicking on all cylinders. I mean, give give this team a lot of credit and i think it really starts with Ty Lue, you know and and what he's kind of instilled in that team all year and i think it's it's kind of that extension kind of that stuff sort of rubbed off on those guys a bit and and they just a lot tougher in general i don't know what else to say i think well they they just seem connected man like they had good chemistry and and the biggest issue they had last year was the lack of chemistry nobody played together it just felt like you know, 15 guys out there often. And the difference is night and day. And and I, I'm glad that you brought up Ty Luke because not only was he great at coaching in this playoffs, his adjustments were, were that's a controversial statement. And, Some people like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, well, why you're so good at adjusting down to, I, I don't agree with this, but this is a lot of, you know, if, if he was so good, why did he get down to in the first place? It's like, yeah, yeah. Because well, those basketball. people ever procrastinated on a paper in their lives. <laughs> but but also sometimes you just lose, man. Like sometimes you make adjustments and they're small. And, and, like you can't just say, "All right, well, we lost game one. I'm throwing out sometimes the baby Luka in the bathwater." You know, like step backs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so you know, this is this is why like the day to day NBA coverage, I, I think does a disservice to what the league actually is. Because if you're in the day-to-day, you care so much about each loss that you lose the big picture and see the, you know, <laughs> this team won a lot more games than it lost this year. I wonder why. And, and you know, Ty Lue, I thought, did a did a really good job, especially given, you know, with the cards he was dealt injury-wise. Um, I don't know how you make up for not having your best player, even though we're seeing a lot of coaches, you know, in the playoffs deal with that. Uh, I, I want to talk about Reggie Jackson and his post game interview uh, after after they were eliminated, which you know I'm not ashamed to admit, kind of made me cry a little bit. Uh, you know, if you've ever worked in sports, I mean, if you ever coached anything, uh, you watch a guy who I mean, we know how minimum veteran minimum players in the league are treated. Usually, if you're a veteran minimum once, you are for the rest of your career. I mean, is, is I think Jeff Green is finally off the minimum contracts at this point, and that guy has been a useful player for a really long time in the NBA. And so when you see Reggie Jackson talk about his place in the league and how the Clippers kind of helped him discover or rediscover himself as a player, um, I, I don't think that you can look at the Clippers the same I, way. And and it has colored my opinion on them. Like, I'm kind of trying to go back and say, wow, I've missed this this turnaround with this locker I think room, I mean you're I mean somehow. you're obviously because of how we we talk about the league you're 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 coming at it from like the well his contract whatever I for me that for me what it was sure, sure. I think any of us who have played sports been on teams been around teams as as coaches or or whatever um how, the success of a season from in wins and losses or how far you progress isn't always you know, linearly related to the satisfaction of that season. 
I think we've all been around like really talented teams that did pretty well and the season sucked. And we've been around less talented teams that didn't win, but got everything they could out of and they were magical. And that's, you know, this is like a pop thing about enjoy the journey. And uh, you could see that from Reggie Jackson talking about that, that that's, that's what this season meant to them. And that's, and that's pretty special. And, you know, you can't, the, the unfortunate thing is we can say they fixed their locker room, but next season starts all over again. And, you know, you can't rely on this, this that sort of whatever they built, that cocoon they built this year that allowed Reggie Jackson and Nick Batum to, to thrive after they'd been kind of, you know, looking like they're on their way out. Um, but so you can't count on that to be next season, but you can celebrate the fact that it was there this season. And that's, and that's, you know, we don't get to experience that too many times, no matter how long we, we play our around sports. So just, you know, that's worth celebrating regardless. And this is a big thing for, for Clipper fans. And this is something I'm, I'm speaking directly to y'all. Cause I've been hard on the Clippers for, for past few years. The, if I told you at the start of the season, you would win two games in the conference finals without Kawhi Leonard. Your first response would be, we made the conference finals. Like, you know, this was don't, this is a big moment and good for the franchise and that stuff. It's, it's nice to have made that leap, but Seth's also a hundred percent correct too. Like next year is going to be a little bit different. You're going to have to figure that stuff out. The the squad, yeah, this team, you know, let's look at it this way. I didn't like Reggie Jackson's regular season. <laughs> I had questions with, with what, how much he could really do and things like that. And he went to another level in the playoffs, which was amazing. And I think that's a big, I think that's a big thing there for, for, for the Clippers in that sense. And it is a special moment. And especially because the beatdown they took all last, I mean, all last season, all off season, this whole way, do it in the playoffs. They did it in the playoffs. Now everybody's got to shut up for a little bit. Now, now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at Dell.com. Welcome to now. Yeah. Um, they got to run this back, right? I, I don't know how they can replace what Reggie Jackson brought in the playoffs. They've got his early bird rights. Um, you, you feel like there's going to be a Reggie Jackson bidding war? I personally don't think so. I think I think he's going to come back to the Clippers. I think, you know, I don't know if a contender is going to throw big money at him. And the way he talked about the team, I think he wants to be back. Um Obviously, you, you want to make the most money you possibly can, um, and I'm all for it for those guys, but I think it's kind of a good setup. The guy I think they might lose is Batum, you know, because I don't mm-hmm. think they have the, the ability to, to sign him like they like they do with Reggie and have the early bird rights. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong, Maybe but I also think – Non-tax MLE or something like that. Yeah. But I think teams yeah, are going to yeah. be like, ooh, Batum, Batum looks like a, a 3 and D wing again. Kind of, you know, but like a three and D five, but he looks, he's useful. He's yeah. a guy that can help you. Right. Like I think teams are going to see that and say, um, you know, Hey, we're going to, 
they can make. I think they'd make a run at him more than Reggie. Listen, Utah could use one of those four and a half guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> I think I think they like. So I, can I? I mean, um, it's again an interesting point on on Reggie Jackson. This is something like this is part of why you know when you're saying the like the guys who get on that sort of veteran minimum thing. Some of that is, I think, by choice. Like there are a lot of those play, a lot of those players. Sure. Yeah, I could make seven million dollars a year playing for a team that's going to be a six seed, or you know what's you know what I I've made plenty of money. Uh, I'm still like I you know a, a veteran minimum is still like a, a pretty nice check, like in 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 real terms, and uh, going to work every day and doing this well is at this point in my life more important to me. And, you know, I, you, none of us on the outside can make that decision for guys because there are so many different things like, you know, where do I want to live? Where do I – what environment do I want to play in? How much money do I make? It's you're balancing all those things and, you know, not to put ourselves in Reggie Jackson's head, but I think we can infer from those comments that, you know, the, at one point the money may have been more important to him than it is – at least at this moment, if you had to ask him like today, it's, it seemed like the basketball and the, and the environment is what mattered. And look, man, I, I really did love that. I mean, it, it might be my favorite thing from this NBA season because it, it's easy, even for me who covers the league every day, the way I do to just forget that these that guys and that and PJ Tucker and, and Juan and, Durant. That was my that those were my that, that was pretty yeah funny. those those are those yes. are my those yes. are kind of my two sort of favorite things from this postseason so far. Yeah, I mean that that was just that was perfect. Um, PJ Tucker is you know just kind of like a perfect human being anyway. I I, I love that guy every second. Um, back to the Clippers. Okay, what do they need? I mean, obviously, if they had healthy Kawhi, maybe they're in the finals. But this wasn't a perfect team anyway. Um, I don't know how they fill the need that that they have, which is, you know, they need a playmaker. This might be a team that's trying to convince Kyle Lowry to come play for cheap. (laughs) I'm not sure if they've got a mechanism to make that happen, but um, they could use that, that guy. Maybe Chris Paul wants to go there. (laughs) No, I I think. What what do you guys think? I mean, I think they're going to run this back mostly. Nobody's expecting Kawhi to opt out, right? Like, I mean, or maybe he opts out, but he's not the yeah. people who are like Kawhi to New York, Kawhi to Miami, um, Kawhi to Dallas, all of that. Like <laughs> he moved heaven and earth to get to LA. Like it's, it's, I don't understand like why he would just sort of throw that away now. He left two of the best run franchises in the league to play for the Clippers. Well, okay. You, Okay, you, he's they, not leaving. I, I think that's that, that's a bit of an unnecessary shot at the Clippers, who have been, yeah. who have been, a, who, just, yeah, who no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. I mean to go right. to go play for that team. I don't mean yeah, no, no. they've yeah. been well it, run it, recently, but I mean to go play specifically for it that. Could have been the Grizzlies team. if they were in L.A. It was yeah. that was the thing. It was L.A. It could Another have been the been well run they were in LA. here. We're no, but I'm just <laughs> no. I'm just. It was the city, yeah. not the not the ideas. To be honest with you, yeah. Hey. I'll tell you what, look, if you're a, a, a team and you would like an opportunity to sign Kawhi Leonard this summer, all you have to do is relocate to San Diego. If you move your team to San Diego, I will put you as the front runner to sign Kawhi Leonard. Other than that, we're running it back next year if, if I'm the Clippers. And so I think that finding a guy 
who can initiate offense in a way that's not just isolation I think is going to be a big thing for them. It, I don't even think it needs to be like the the highest level point guard. I think it needs to. It's it's more of it's an innings eater guy. No, like a guy who can. All right, you know. This quarter, like Kawhi and PG can spot up a little bit because we're gonna, you know, we're gonna run seven straight pick and rolls with this guy in in, in Zubac. And like, yeah, it's not the not gonna be the best offense in the world, but it's gonna be competent. And we can, you know, we can get through six minutes of game action every day, just every game, just by by doing that. And so I don't like I don't know who that level of player is right now. Um, before he, you know, um, before whatever happened to him, like. Jeff Teague is sort of that level, but not now. Like Jeff Teague three years ago is sort of that that level of player. But uh, so I don't know. I I I, I like Dennis Schroeder. No, the, uh, no. The <laughs> the thing is, and you guys are going to jump on me for this one. They already have the guy, and it's Rondo. You know, he 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 is going to be the the minutes eater in that sense. I think. Coming in during the regular season off of a trade, there were flashes where it looked good, but he didn't really bring it together. I think having a full season, a full off season, a training camp, which no team had, um, but I think having all of that together, I think will be a bit different. I don't know how playable he'll be in the playoffs. I mean, we playoff Rondo didn't really show up this year, um, had, had moments, but not really big ones. But I think, that's the guy. I just I don't because I don't think there are other options available to them. It's gonna have to be Rondo because I don't think they have a way to get anybody that you're that we're talking about. You know, Jeff Teague's not gonna move the needle. I'd rather have Rondo than Jeff Teague well, if yes, I'm now. Uh, <laughs> now, no, but, I, but that's what we're talking yeah. about now. Yeah, yeah. We're not talking. No, we're, like, not, like, we're, we're not even talking about now. We're talking about tomorrow. Yeah. Like this is this is this is the thing, right? Like no, but I'm not. I'm, I'm agreeing yeah. with you in that. You know, I mean, like who's available? DJ right Augustine or Ish Smith or someone on kind of that in 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 that sort right. of sphere. Like, and it, you know, yeah, I, I think I would want to go north of DJ Augustine, but DJ Augustine is the first guy that came to mind for me as just a guy. And and by the way, it's it's going to be an even year, so DJ Augustine is going to be good next oh, year. Mercury in retrograde. Um, you know, I, I think, this, <laughs> yeah. So, I, but I'm I'm with you there. I just think you know, getting a guy who who can do that kind of stuff. And and it was the theor- the theory behind Dennis Schroeder and Trez Harrell was, hey, you've got a pick and roll partnership that's going to be able to come off the bench, eat a bunch of minutes, win you some games in the regular season, but rest those legs for the playoffs. And so and I wonder if they have an opportunity to do that. I, we're going to see a whole lot more Terrence yes. Mann next year, I assume, because clearly that guy can go. Um, I, man, the Clippers... I think if you felt strongly about them this year making the finals, you probably feel stronger next year as long as Kawhi's knee is um, with the, with the caveat you guys agree? that the West is going to be an absolute bear next year. <laughs> like you know, you might feel better about them as a team, but it's, it's you know the, the you know obviously as we've talked about, like a lot of teams have kind of fallen away, and like. Golden State is going to be better next year. Memphis is going to be better next year. Phoenix is still going to be good next year. Who knows what Dallas is going to be next year? Well, Lakers will be healthy next year, we hope. Um, but so there's, you know, Utah will still be pretty good next year. Den- like Denver maybe probably takes a step back, assuming, you know, we have to assume Murray's going to be out the bulk of the season. And if he comes back, will not be as effective. But uh, yeah. 
yeah, it, I mean, everything about that with with Seth said is right on. I think that's just the, the way it goes. Um, and the West is tough. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for this week. Next week, we'll be talking finals. It's amazing. Uh, everybody have a good holiday weekend. Be safe. Uh, please don't use any fireworks on your own. Go watch them. Let the professionals handle it. Uh, for Seth and Mo, I'm Dave. This has been Nerder She Wrote on the Athletic NBA Show. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.